Stuff Podcasts. This episode of What's Wrong With You is sponsored by Every Human, an online platform selling life-changing adaptive clothing, footwear and lifestyle products. It's the home of the ultimate shopping experience for people with disabilities. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au. I grew up in the church, and as a little girl, I read all the Bible stories about Jesus healing people. You know, the blind man who can suddenly see, the leper whose skin clears up, the woman who bled for 12 years, the paralyzed beggar, and of course the big one, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by Jesus. These were powerful and inspiring stories, especially for someone like me who used a wheelchair and couldn't walk. Sometimes I wondered if God would ever heal me too. Now as an adult, I'm still in a wheelchair and I still can't walk and I still believe in healing. But given the choice, I don't think I want to be healed because I don't see myself as broken. And as far as the Bible goes, I think there's another story in there which feels much more relevant on the subject of disability and faith. It's a story told by Jesus about a man who holds a big party. This guy invites all the so-called important people, but they are too busy attending to their land, animals and families. So he sends his servant to try some other people instead. He tells him to invite all the beggars and the poor and disabled people. Though in the King James Version, the author didn't quite get the memo about inclusive language. So the disabled people are referred to as the crippled, the blind and the lame. Anyway, instead of curing disability, I think we need to be creating a culture that embraces all people, just like Jesus talked about in this story. I want anyone thankful we can believe in a God who's alive and well and doing miracles. So yeah, being healed and being able to walk might make my own life a bit easier, but it's solving the wrong problem. The problems I want to see fixed are out in the world, not inside me. I mean the exclusion and inequality. I mean the restaurants that don't have accessible bathrooms. I mean the courier drivers who park in mobility car parks but reckon it's okay because it's only five minutes. I'm Olivia Shivers. I'm a digital producer at Stuff. And I'm Rebecca Dubber. I'm a Paralympian and communications consultant. And you're listening to What's Wrong With You, a podcast about disability and living in a world that's not designed for you. In this series, we're talking about growing up with a disability, we're talking about sex and dating, and what it's like to travel by plane when you're a wheelchair user. And we try to get to the bottom of some of the big mysteries of being disabled. Like, why do strangers on the street keep asking me, do you have a license for that thing? And as you might have already guessed, in this episode, we're talking about faith. Now, I'm atheist, so you'd think I wouldn't have much to say on the subject. 
but there's something I've been noticing for years. If you sit somewhere in a wheelchair for long enough, eventually someone will come up to you and say, can I pray for you? Bex, on behalf of people of faith everywhere, I apologise. But look, that happens to me too, actually, and we'll hear more about that later. But first, let's talk about our amazing guests. We're going to be catching up with my friend Rhiannon, who I know through church. She tells us about the 24 hours that changed her life forever and how her faith helped her through her biggest challenge in life. But before Rhiannon, we have Latifa Dowd. Latifa was born and raised in Auckland, and her ancestry is from the west coast of India. Like Olivia, she's got muscular dystrophy, though not exactly the same type. Latifa was born into a Muslim family but she told us that she only started thinking deeply about her faith once she was well into her teens. So I'm a Muslim, and um, that has, I guess, with disability, that's been quite a roller coaster. Trying to reconcile disability with faith, especially because, you know, I was so young, I was 11 when I was diagnosed, and that's already such a vulnerable age. Um, you know, there's like puberty and peer pressure and all that kind of mm. like, you know, your body's already changing in one way and then there's this extra thing that you need to add to it. And trying to understand like the why in terms of like from a spiritual point of view and a God and, you know, all that. Um, but already I think at such a young age to be trying to figure out like religion and your relationship with God, you know, like it's already so kind of elusive and then you're trying to find your place in the world. So I kind of brushed it to the side for most of my life until probably when I started uni. So then I started to start that process of understanding like the, like God basically and um, why my life is the way that it is. And I think in doing so, it actually helped me to accept, right? Like it kind of led me to accept the way that my life was and the way that my body was and all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, reading the Quran, the English translation helped me to understand like difference and diversity and actually that it's a strength, right? Because God creates all of us. And, you know, if this is the life that I was meant to lead, then that's like, I'm okay with that. Everybody is different and that's beautiful because that's how everyone was created and that's amazing, yeah. Do you um, regularly attend a mosque or that type of thing and how is that set up for people with disabilities? You know, I'll be honest, there are a lot of mosques that are not uh, very wheelchair-friendly. Um, you know, there'll be, like, stairs or, like, really narrow doors and stuff like that. Um, I don't attend mosque that much just because, like logistically like from work and all that kind of stuff like it's um I, I I work in the city and there are places in the city where I can do my Friday prayers but they're not accessible so I could go if I wanted like I do want to go but then I can't so that kind of sucks but then I um you know kind of do other things in my own time yeah, yeah. and you know for a lot of people the their connection to their faith is around community and people but for me because that wasn't really an option I and I'm already quite introverted anyway so it kind of worked out well but um <laughs> uh 
it became very personal and inside. Like, my faith is something that I kind of hold in my heart and it's not... It is connected to people and community, but first and foremost, it's inside just because it hasn't been very inclusive and accessible for me mm. as a woman in a wheelchair. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think could be set up, like, practically? Just, you know, like, ramps and stuff. Like, I love a good ramp. We, yeah, I love a good <laughs> ramp. Love a good lift. I think a question that I've been asked a lot of times is from random strangers um, in church environments and just randoms on the street is, can I pray for you? Oh, my gosh. I did have an experience when I was about 13 and I was in Sydney, my dad and I, and then this um, guy came and was like, oh, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. And then they were like, okay, let's go around the corner to this, like, alley. And I was like, okay, mm. no. <laughs> no, no. You can no. pray for me in your own time. I'm not coming with you down <laughs> some alley. Please leave me alone. Um, yeah, so... I think if you're not ready to deal with it, then that kind of experience um, would definitely put you off. Someone uh, came up to me, same kind of thing, can I pray for you, can I, whatever. And I was like, do you know what, go for your life, like you can pray for me if you want, like, you know, no harm, right? Mm. Um, And then she asked me, like, if I'm, like, if I'm religious or whatever, and I was like, yeah, like I am, I'm a Muslim. And then she was like, you know, you should, like, Pray more because part of the reason why you'll be disabled is because you don't have enough faith. <gasps> and I was like, wow, oh like God. you literally just came up to me on the street and like asked me if I was religious. And I was like, excuse me, like I do have faith. Do you know what? Like I am a mm. religious person. And then, and then, yeah, it just became like real weird. And I just kind of like zoomed off. Yeah. Okay. Because I, because I'm, I'm atheist and like I've definitely had the can I pray for you or like can I can I heal you but I don't I don't know that I've ever had someone come up and you know ask me about my beliefs Mm -hmm. and then blame me for my disability yeah how do you react when people say can I pray for you um I guess it depends on what kind of mood I'm in (laughs) like if I'm not in a hurry or it's like not in a super rude way or associated with anything ill-meaning like it's usually easiest to just say like yeah go for your life Mm -hmm. um I had one situation um I was at an event there was like this hippie-ish looking dude that came up and he asked me about what I was doing and at the time I was injured and you know he asked if he could like heal me so like agreed and it was just, like, the most bizarre thing because at the end of it, he was like, oh, now move your arm. And he's like, is it fixed? It's like, no. <laughs> and he kind of just looked real embarrassed and he was just like, oh, like, it might take a while to work. That experience was one where I, I genuinely felt very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. To be honest, if I did want prayer... It's probably for something else that's yeah. not obvious. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be so I could be healed. It might no. be for something else that people actually don't know about. Exactly. You know, so I think that's what's hard that people assume, like, oh, wheelchair, that's what that person's mm. problem is. That's what needs fixing. Yeah. But actually, like, we're so much more mm. complex than the fact that we use wheelchairs. And I think, you know, I think some people, they do mean well. 
what I have learned on how to kind of figure out that situation is I'll actually reply back and say, like, that's awesome that you want to pray for me. Is there anything that I can pray for you about <laughs> as well? There are so many other things that go on in our lives, right? Like, mm. maybe you're struggling at work. Maybe there's, like, something personal, like, at home, you know? And that would be affecting your day-to-day life way more than mm. way more than your wheelchair. To me, it sounds like having a faith is a huge benefit to you. Yeah, and I'm, it, it, I think it's up to the individual, right? Because there are a lot of people who have a um, disability and choose not to. And there are people who, you know, I think it's just all depends on how you see the world, right? And there's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever works for you and your context and whatever helps you get out of bed in the morning. It's just, yeah, that's up to you to decide. I think for me, like, having faith and, like, believing in God and going to church, that's huge their benefit for me because it helps me, I guess, like anchor myself yeah, and have have yeah. a have a foundation and having that um this brings in a bigger question as well in terms of like if there is a God, why does he allow suffering and yeah. things like pain yeah. and, you know, heartbreak and, and stuff like that. And I, I don't have all the answers. I don't okay. know why. I you yeah, know, yeah. that's that's a big question. But I know for me personally, whenever I've gone through um you know, a struggle or, or something hard, um, I know that it's created character in me. It's given mm. me um, endurance yeah. and uh, resilience. You know, when you live with a disability, you learn a lot about, you know, resilience and social justice and just um, you can spot injustice more easily, or I can anyway. Um, and these are all, like, good things. Do you know what I mean? And and if you want to look at disability from the point of view of a deficit, then actually, like, what you gain because of that experience, I believe would outweigh all of it, right? Because the person that you become... Um, passionately empathetic, all that kind of stuff, like the world needs more of it. But then I can understand, fully understand Bex, your point of view, how those negative associations would put you off. I mean, when I was 13, my family and I, we um, lived in Malaysia and we were doing kind of like missionary voluntary work at a school for kids with disabilities. And we were living in this quite small community um, and we were trying to find a church to, to start going to. And the Sunday that we showed up, there so happened to be this travelling evangelical mm. American pastor. Wow. <laughs> and um, so in my family go in like a girl in a wheelchair with a white dad and we're just elephant in the room, definitely stand mm. out. Um, anyway, so... Somehow I end up at the front, like, of this, like, altar call and all the, the this preacher is, like, trying to pray for me and I, I can't remember how I got up there anyway. And then, um, yeah, and, you know, they're, they're praying me f- for me and I was, like, only 13. I was very, like, uncomfortable and probably didn't want to be there. Um, but then they started, like, literally lifting me from mm. my arms Gosh. out of my wheelchair. Oh, and horrible. It was like, yeah, very upsetting. Um, but, and then I think after the after the service, like no one came and talked to us. So safe to say we didn't go to the, go back to that church. Oh my but God. I can mm-hmm. I can totally get how like that type of experience would totally put anyone yeah, off same. from like yeah. religion or 
or going to church or faith or anything like Mm. that. But I think for me, like, again, I think a lot of the work I had to do was in terms of, like, figuring out what I believed and was, was like, personally and, 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 with myself rather than that, that kind of corporate yeah, like as a community yeah like environment yeah. Mm, mm, mm. and i and i think that you know my my lack of faith isn't entirely rooted in the negative experiences that i've had mm-hmm. with religious people and i think that you know it, it is a gift and i just haven't haven't received it yet do you think it's harder as a disabled person or as someone who's Muslim? As someone who's Muslim, definitely. Because my disability is visible, it's kind of like, uh, like I do need to explain it not so much, whereas mm. people won't look at me and see that I'm a Muslim, right? And so I've heard people like make comments and then I'm like sitting right there. And I guess worldwide just because there's persecution of Muslims all over the world, it's kind of, like, very visible to me. So that's where I feel most, I guess, unsafe, right? Like, you know, we had the shooting at the mosque and that was only because we were Muslim, right? Like, that was a specific, like, religious... Like, we were targeted specifically. Um... Apart from, like, health scares and stuff, like, I haven't really felt like my life is in danger as such because of my disability, but I have felt like that because I'm a Muslim. I'll be really honest here. I have thought very seriously about wearing a hijab. Sometimes Mm. I do feel like I want to wear it, but then I'm like, imagine being, like, using a wheelchair and wearing a hijab. Like, Mm. that would just be, like, double... Do you know what I mean? Like, right now I'm just brown, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there's probably not a good reason not to wear it and it, there's probably more to it than that, but that is one of the factors of why at this point in my life I choose not to wear it. Yeah, well, you know, woman, disability, woman of colour, like, Muslim, right? Like, there's... You kind of get it from all all angles. Um, I can't escape it. Right, because it's like every time I leave the house, it's like right in front of me. Not even when I leave the house, it's like on my device all the time. Um, you know, to live in a world and navigate a world that doesn't want me part of it, right? And every part of me is like on the outside. I yeah, I just find these types of conversations incredibly fascinating because I think, you know, we 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 get in our little bubbles. And we, I think, sometimes struggle to understand others' perceptions and others' experiences and empathise with those. And I think, yeah, it is just really interesting to sit down and talk to people who have had very, very different upbringings, very different experiences and very different outlooks on life. And thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks for We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So our next guest tells us about her journey into disability, which is the total opposite from yours and mine, Bex. Yeah, Rhiannon's happened very fast, and it was kind of dramatic. But before we meet Rhiannon, here's a message from our sponsor. Everyone deserves to feel confident bringing their whole selves into every space. Whether it be work, church, school or university, 
Wherever disabled people go, our being itself is a statement because of the fight that many had in the past for our fundamental rights. We are living out a dream held by so many that disabled people should have access to the world around us. And every time we have that access and freedom, whether it be going into a shop, taking the bus, or choosing our support team, we are the realization of that dream. That doesn't mean there isn't more fight needed, but what a privilege it is to benefit from trailblazing advocates in the past. Every human is using fashion to reflect or protect what's within, to give you a sense of confidence in who you are and what you stand for. Their range of adaptive clothing, footwear and life-enhancing accessories empowers people to independently express themselves. From their shirts with magnetic buttons or zip-up shoes and accessible gadgets, their products will give you the dignity and confidence to be yourself wherever you go in life. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au Now, on with the interview. Rhiannon Peters works as a creative manager at a church in Auckland, and she loves being an auntie to her niece and three nephews. I started by asking her our trademark question. What's wrong with you? Uh, My lower right leg is amputated below the knee as a result of having osteosarcoma is bone cancer. So tell us a bit about like how how did you find out you had cancer and and that obviously led to the amputation. Yes. <laughs> um, at the age of 32, 2012, just sore ankle and I um, did a bit of googling as you do. Thought it would be a stress fracture or something like that, but um, just as things progressed, which they did very quickly, it became apparent that something wasn't right. Um, and so, in I think it was November of 2012, I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and then underwent all the the um, the oncology protocol that is required. So I had my first. Um, first round of chemotherapy and was due to start my second round the following month, uh, but it became apparent that there was something going on with the tumour. It was actually growing under the biopsy scar. And so it was um, at that point really close to breaking through the skin, at which case, um, sorry, at which point the uh, specialist would have lost control of it, which means that they can't perform any further treatment. Um, and that obviously would have put my life in further jeopardy. So, um, I was called into the hospital and told that um, amputation would need to happen the next day. So it all just very quick. So sort of within the space of three months, hey, you've got cancer <laughs> wow. and then your leg needs to go. Oh my gosh. Talk talk us through that, like that conversation with the doctor. Was it Mm. like, was it an option or was it like, we have to do this? Like, was it up to you to like sign a form saying, yes, you can. In the very initial stages, it was like, these are all the possibilities. This is the worst case scenario. And in talking to um, the nurse specialist, she was like, I've never seen this have to happen before. You're going to be fine. It's okay. And then when <laughs> come two months later, <laughs> we're like into this discussion where um, my my surgeon that I had been dealing with was actually away on holiday because it was the Christmas period. So they brought in a specialist from Starship. So we had no relationship and he Mm. just had to sit there and say, look, I'm so desperately sorry to tell you 
this has to happen and it has to happen like immediately. Mm. So um, yeah, there wasn't really any opportunity to to be like no. Yeah. In my mind, I, I was think like, about it. <laughs> in my mm. mind, I was like, oh, these are those moments that you see where you know there's that great dramatic no mm. on television and stuff. Gosh. But I just hung my head and just thought, you know, how do you fight this? It mm. it is what it is. Mm. They wouldn't be telling me this at this point if if there were other options. So I knew we were in an emergency situation. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Three months is so sudden. It is. But then mm. also like within a day being told, you know, this has to happen and it has to happen now. Yeah. Not even giving you the opportunity to process that information. That's that's yeah. a lot. I mean, how how did you handle that? <laughs> um that's a great question. I think I was just honestly so punch drunk by then because mm. at that stage you're sort of getting all of these um, diagnosis, treatment options and you've got to make decisions and so much information coming at you in that period of time that by that stage I was just like, this is just another thing and I just mm. have to get through it. Um, so for me, the, the real processing of it all really didn't happen until I was completely discharged from medical oncology a number of years later. Oh, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> Because, like, when when they told you that they had to take the leg, mm. was it kind of, was it, like, a curative thing or was there, like, more treatment needed after that For the point? actual cancer. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, initially, even just with the amputation, they said we're going to start at the lowest point we possibly can and mm. then we're just going to, we'll send every cut away for a biopsy until we get the point that there's no evidence of cancer. Mm. So we didn't oh, even wow. know if I would come out with half my leg, most of my leg gone, <gasps> oh all that gosh. kind of thing. <laughs> but again, it's just like you've got to do what you've got to do, right? You know, how does life look differently now? Um, I think it's, it's different in probably almost every way possible because you're mentally different. Like mm. when you've faced um, trauma and challenge in that way, you can't help but be um, changed in your outlook on life. For me, I've personally chosen to to lift my head and to smile at what comes at me. Mm. Not everybody is the same. Um, having said that, I have some really hard days. Like the, um, the physical reality is that when you have a limb amputated, there are chances of... Um, of phantom limb pain, which is something that I experience every day of my life. So mm. I haven't felt a day of feeling physically comfortable mm. for eight years, wow. which is a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So mm. that's the reality. There's obviously the natural things like um, shoe shopping. Mm. <laughs> How about pedicures? Can you get 50% off pedicures? I haven't even tried. Oh, you should definitely ask. Although... <laughs> I did have um, laser hair removal and I did get 50% off for that, so that was great. (laughs) What's different about a high heel prosthetic compared to an ordinary prosthetic foot or leg? Um, so the difference would be would simply be the heel height. So it's set at a specific height. So um, mine has a very height because I was always a girl with very high heel, high, high (laughs) heels. Like, um, yeah a very high inset. So that means that once I'm wearing shoes, I'm generally not taking them off because mm-hmm. I'll be like hobbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the difference. And um, that specific one was able to be made with a natural um, 
latex cover that looks like real skin. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, again, that was just another thing for me that was like, it looks real, I feel more me. Mm -hmm. Can wear my Mm -hmm. skinny jeans. Having my prosthetics done in America meant that I could have a high heel specific prosthetic. And as a girl who was known for her shoes, um, that was it. It was a massive deal for me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I am to get back up on that was like, it was a big day for me, but it was also a really big day for the team. They were like, this is so cool. And they, um, the guys all said that they would go home because they'd asked me to bring a pair of shoes so that they could model it on a specific heel height. Mm. And I'd taken my gold glitter ones and their partners were always wondering why they're coming home covered in gold glitter, <laughs> but it was my shoes. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Just a day at work. Just a day at work. <laughs> With that Kiwi Girl shoes. Yeah. How about if you, um, like, would you ever get a spray tan? Do you have to match the other leg? Or? Do you know, I never have because that's the exact thing. Okay. I was like, I would always, like, this, the colours are what the colours are. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. even for many years, I didn't even um, spend much time in the sun yeah. because just the tan difference. And also, um, I think my skin was a lot more sensitive after chemotherapy as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so no, no, no spray tans for me. <laughs> Do you mind sharing a bit about how your faith has either, I guess, I mean, there's probably been some highs, but also some lows. Has it been challenged or has it been, has it helped you on that journey? Yeah, I think it has been challenged and it has helped. Mm -hmm. In the very initial stages, I think having such a strong support network was incredible. Um, As a Christian, you feel like when you face adversity, this is the time that my faith comes to the fore and I should be strong and Mm. I should be all these things that Mm. our faith is supposed to prepare us for. Um, But in actual fact, I had no energy for any of it because I was literally just surviving, getting Mm. up day to day and processing um, all the information coming at me. So I had talked to one of our pastors about it and he, he just said to me, you know, your job in this isn't to be the super Christian. Our job is to hold your hands up and Mm. to be praying you through this so that you can just focus on what you need to. It can be super challenging and you don't see the result of that prayer. You know, I'm sure you you and your family prayed that the cancer would be healed. Yes. And you wouldn't have to amputate your leg. Yeah. But still that was yeah. a reality that we don't have control over. Really challenging. And probably one of the most um, challenging aspects of the whole journey for me was the acceptance mm. phase. Because mm. quite early on when you were dealing with... Um, pain specialists and physios, they all tell you, you know, you will reach a level of acceptance. And to me, acceptance meant accepting what what had happened was okay. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to get there, guys. <laughs> like, that's just not a, that's not a thing. It's not okay. Mm. Like, mm. this is, this is not what people should be expecting for their lives. Yeah. But I discovered um, many, many years later in my process that the acceptance is more that, um, You come to an understanding that it is what it is as opposed to fighting it. There's such a um, strong pull to want to be normal again. It was an incredible amount of pressure on people to just, you know, who are, you know, just like everybody else, just trying to make Mm -hmm. it through, just trying to say you're such an inspiration, like, yo, I just rolled out of bed today and that's all I've got. And I think it's, it's, again, it comes back to non-disabled people's 
perceptions of what disability is and that it's yeah. this constant struggle, it's a constant challenge, you know, yeah. we're incredible for, for rolling out of bed in the morning and going and doing our grocery shopping and I think that's what kind of irks yeah. me personally yeah. is I don't want to be congratulated for doing my chores. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you want to be congratulated yeah. for going to the Paralympics? Yeah, congratulate yeah. congratulate me for <laughs> winning my bronze medal, yeah, but yeah, don't yeah, congratulate yeah. me for going to the supermarket and doing my groceries or yeah. taking the rubbish out. Yeah. Imagine if you stood at the end of someone's driveway and just told them they were an inspiration yeah, yeah. because they took their rubbish out that day. To be honest, I I mean, my flatmate took out the rubbish today and I'm like, I can't do that. Well, and actually, how, how do I, you do I, it? I, I take that back. I don't take out the rubbish. <laughs> I put the bags in the bin, but... That, that's about it. So I can congratulate you if you do actually do it one day. <laughs> yeah, my family is very protective of me, as as one would hope any family would be, uh, because sometimes I don't notice, but there are days that I that I find it quite overwhelming, just, you know, the, the staring or the questions mm-hmm. or... Um, and actually not even the questions. It's the, the lack of direct contact like if you've got a question just come up and and ask Mm -hmm. it's the talking that you hear behind and so yeah I can remember a specific time I was walking down the street um I passed a bar and there were a bunch of people um just out having a drink call and this older gentleman as I was approaching I heard him say this girl's got a gammy leg take a look (laughs) and Part of me was like, I was just so shocked at the time that somebody could be so rude. But I was like, you know what else? I've got good hearing. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those kind of things, like my family Mm. will, um, they notice and I actually had to stop one of them going back and being like, hey, not okay. But yeah, even just when we're out walking, if other people are staring, my sisters will often be like, um, it's rude to stare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But what I've discovered is that most people are respectful and children generally are the most inquisitive, but mm. they're actually really genuine in the way they ask. They're just like, what happened? And so I just have a little thing. I just say, my leg was sick, and so I had to have an operation to stop me becoming really sick. Mm. And then they're like, okay. <laughs> and they're just on with it again, or they ask a few more questions like, how do I get one of those? And like, <laughs> you don't want one of those. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Or when I'm with my nephew, I'll tell people that and then they'll be like, yep, they cut it off. <laughs> like, so blunt. So blunt. So blunt. Um, in terms of having random strangers asking if they can pray for you. Yes. It happens to me a lot because my disability is so obvious. Yeah. Um, has that ever happened to you and ha- how do you approach that? Or Yeah, I actually haven't had a stranger ask me. Um But again, our experiences of it or our perceptions of it might be a bit different Mm. because like you were saying for you, being born with a disability, um, there's not that same thing. Like for me, I am like, well, the Bible says that God heals stuff. And so I'm like, why can't he regrow limbs? If he wants to do that with me, then have at it. I'll take it, you know. So so if someone wandered up to me and was like, you know, can I pray for you? I'd be like, sure. But um, at the same time, I do think people need to be aware Mm -hmm. and respectful of, of people's boundaries around that. My hope is that every church would be a place that the doors are open to anybody, regardless of any challenge that they may be dealing with or life issues that they're facing. Church is a place for um, for 
people to find the love of Jesus because the church is a representation of God on earth. I love what you say about church being a representation of like Jesus on earth because in the Bible when you think about who he actually mixed with the most, they were people with disabilities, with differences, with the so-called outcasts. My hope is always that it would be an accepting place, a place where people are loved. And yeah, I guess that's one thing that I would just say for any church is really the people are what we're there to serve. another episode of What's Wrong With You. Coming up next... Oh my God. The people who want to treat MS with vitamins, there's a lot of them. So I put my head around the curtain and I said, oh, excuse me, do you have any mini skirts? (laughs) (laughs) This podcast was made with support from New Zealand On Air. Thank you to our guests, Latifah Dowd and Rhiannon Peters, as well as Alex Liu, Adam Dudding, Carol Hirschfeld, Eugene Bingham, Grace Stratton, and All Is For All. This episode was sponsored by Every Human, an online platform selling life-changing adaptive clothing, footwear, and lifestyle products. It's the home of the ultimate shopping experience for people with disabilities. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au.